When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And I'll tell you, we reveal so many things. Even the KGB listens to us to find out what the heck is going on in the studio. What about Chinese intelligence? Chinese intelligence, for sure. Iranian intelligence. Iranian intelligence? They're they're across the street. (laughs) (laughs) With us today in the studio, we have uh, a common sense Democrat, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense Republican, Congressman Peter King. And uh, I got a pledge from Congressman Peter King on King's Highway. There will never, ever be congestion pricing. Is that a- true? Absolutely. But you and I can make a deal about air rights if you want to put some air rights houses above on. King's Highway. <laughs> right. okay. okay. And Lydia Serrani, am I right? And we have one great show for you today. Absolutely. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Mark Siegel. We'll be also talking with Joe Parisi. He'll talk about the turkeys. Oh, boy. The turkeys in the stratosphere. Uh, Ambassador John Bolton, Charlie Gasparino. But first on the line, we have Bill O'Reilly. He's a journalist, author, television and radio host. He also has a show here on WABC Radio every night. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, 9 p.m. He's also a very prolific author, about what, 20 million books sold. His latest book, Killing the Legends by Bill O'Reilly. It profiles Elvis Presley, John John Lennon and Muhammad Ali. And how many weeks now has it been on the bestsellers list, Bill O'Reilly? I've been five weeks now, Lydia, and uh, hopefully we can keep it on another 55. There well, you go. Now, Bill O'Reilly is more worried about is New York City going to survive? And uh, there's so much crap going around. Bill O'Reilly, what's going on in New York? All right. So I followed this um, crime summit over the weekend and, uh, you know, gave it my simple man analysis. So why wasn't this crime summit held last February? Why did they wait till the end of October? And the answer to that is Democrats are now worried they're going to lose the governorship on November 8th. That's why. Because the same dynamic that was uh, plaguing the subway system was in place last February. Was it not? People get No, it got worse, though. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know how much worse it got. Um, if you look at the crime stats on the subway, they've been going up, yes, year to year. Um, but the volume of crime, it's, you know, not a dramatic rise. It's not like these people were caught by surprise in October. They knew this was a problem. Um, Pokel and Adams knew it was a problem in February, but they decided not to do anything about it because – they don't really want to solve the crime problem, in my opinion. They're more interested in social justice and uh, treating minority criminals in a way that they don't wind up in prison. That's what this is all about. Bill O'Reilly, I agree with you 100%. I was very, very much disappointed with the conference they had, uh, Governor Hochul and uh, and Mayor Adams on uh, on Saturday. You know why I'm disappointed? 
They said they're going to give 1,200 police officers that are already tired uh, over time. For how long? Well, I'll give you my opinion. Till after the election, if they win. Yeah. And and what happens? David Dinkins, uh, and this came up last week. I think uh, Governor Cuomo brought it up, and uh, Judge Weinberg is yelling about it, that David Dinkins hired, made the governor, Governor Cuomo at the time. Was it Governor Cuomo at yes. the time? Uh, and, and Speaker Vallone to hire 6,000 new cops that the state paid for in, in Washington uh, help pay for uh, Mr. Weinberg. I mean, six thousand new cops versus giving twelve hundred cops overtime. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of crap. Go ahead, Weinberg. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. First of all, it was Peter Valone's initiative. It wasn't David Dinkins' initiative. Let's let the record be clear on that. Number two, it was a surcharge on the income tax. So who was and- Peter Valone's counsel? Some Jewish guy named Weinberg. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the fact is, it was Peter who pushed it. Dinkins went along with it. We had uh, Mario Cuomo went along with it. We had a reasonable city council led by Vallone. He had a reasonable state legislature. We got it through. Led it by George surcharge- Bruno. Right. right. And it was a surcharge on the income tax. And it worked. And we got the cops on. And it gave Rudy Giuliani the army when he came in. 6,000 new right. cops. Bill Bratton had the army to make the, the fight. And that's and that's now, the true historical record. Twelve hundred cops that are tired and can't arrest anybody because the the, the criminals go home before before they finish the paperwork. Well, that, John, that's exactly the point. You see, you know what the failure of this so-called conference was over the weekend. They're leaving untouched all these bad pieces of legislation that the left wing state legislators pushed through, and that Andrew signed. Bill, okay. Bill O'Reilly, you, it's up to you now. Okay. So I think that everyone understands that the governor and the mayor will not solve this problem. So how could you solve it? To be fair, how could you do it? So you have Randall's Island. What's going on on Randall's Island now? You got that big city there to house migrants, right? So, there's about 3,000 um, units, beds, and there are about, what, 18 people there? And <laughs> migrants aren't going. They're gone. They're wherever they wanted to go. So that's already there. So all you have to do to stop homeless um, and all of the other social problems that lead to chaos, so a lot of these subway criminals are homeless, they're riding the trains. They don't have anywhere to go. So they ride the trains and then they get intoxicated or they're mentally ill, they put a knife to somebody's throat. So all you would have to do would have the NYPD round up these people, put them in vans and take them to Randall's Island for observation and keep them there for three or four days or five days, whatever it may be, until the city physicians could take a look at them and then see what kind of shape they were in mentally. You with me so far, everybody? Uh, I'm I'm with you. Agreed. We all agree with you. Okay. But here's the kicker. The homeless people don't want to do that. Why? Because you cut them off from their narcotics. Mm -hmm. They can't get the dope. It's all about drugs. This whole thing is about drugs. The homeless, the crime. Yes. 
the uh, quality of life deterioration in the streets, the beggars, all of it is about narcotic addiction. You take those people off the street, put them in vans, take them to Randall's, they're not going to want to go. So what do they do? They disperse. And that's exactly what they did under Giuliani Bloomberg. They dispersed. They weren't visible. They weren't doing these things in public because they did not want to go to Rikers. Now, the progressive left would never do the Rikers thing. But you could do it on a humanitarian basis to say you can take those people off the streets, physically take them off, bring them over there for their own good to evaluate their mental health status. I guarantee you they would vanish. They don't want to be isolated. Either they vanish or they should be uh, put in mental hospitals and and taken care of. You can't, you know, you can't throw these people on the streets of New York. And the the people that suffer is the eight and a half million New Yorkers that live here that want to live here peacefully. And yeah, you know who else loses that? You know who loses the customers if those if you put those people in hospitals, the drug dealers lose their customers. So uh, is Albany politicians supporting doing that? Yeah, that is not an easy thing to do. Confinement in a hospital. You have the ACLU all over you. Okay, you have no support from Albany or from Adams. They will not support it. That would be almost impossible. But you could use this transit thing in Randall's Island for that very purpose. Bill, this it's is Pete King. Term play, what basis would the cop use to pick them up? Putting them in hospitals would be very hard to do. Bill, I think it's a good idea. What basis would the cops use? Could they just pick up somebody uh, who's not committed That's a crime? Public safety. Public safety ordinance. If you look at the ordinances of New York City, whenever there is a public safety threat. But how would you define that? Can remove the, the guy throws the guy off the subway. Well, that's, that's clearly, but I'm just saying of the 3,000, how many are going to be you doing use that? A, you use the state mental hygiene law. If you're a threat to yourself or to other people, but, you use that as a basis. Yeah, how do you define them being a threat? That's, that's right. all I'm saying. Somebody, the leadership of our city and our state has to have the courage to say, screw it, we're going to do that. To who, though? That's want to solve the problem. And that's why they have to be voted out on November 8th. Kathy Ogle does not want to solve this problem. All right? Because it doesn't affect her. It affect, I, I went to the Yankee game on uh, Saturday night, Grism. Oh, I went no. Sunday night. I'm still miserable. Right. But I got a good look at the Bronx, and that's a borough I don't get into that all that much. And I got a good look, about an hour's look, and I cruise around. No cops. I didn't see any. They're too busy reacting to the crimes already committed than proacting on the street to stop them. Very dimly lit, even around the stadium. You want to play games, you can play games. Pushers, they were there. Nobody's bothering them. This is the Bronx. I saw it. This is not the remedy for a safe city. And, you know, we should have a safe city campaign here led by John Casamitidis. Safe city. But part of that is taking these people off the streets. And look, when you evaluate them, that gives them the opportunity to say, yes, I need help. Please give me help. And you would then the city services would provide that help.
It's not punitive per se. It's a public safety ordinance. They don't have a right to camp out on people's front doorsteps. And they are. Judge, you know the law. You know, there's nobody that knows the law better than you, Judge. And we have the privilege of having you in the studio. Tell us. Use the mental if hy- I was mayor, use, what would you advise me? You use a mental hygiene law as much as you can. You take Rikers. Instead of closing down Rikers, you put facilities out on Rikers. The problem was because they made it a, uh, they want to a social program. They to swim for it. Right. That's a, they, they closed down the mental health hospitals. They closed them down. And they had thousands of people thrown out into the street. And the fact of the matter is there's a real linkage and Bill's talked about this, there's a linkage between mental health and drug addiction, and you don't have enough facilities to take care of those people. So the first thing you have to do is you have to have facilities. Where can you put them? You put them in Rikers, you build up a facility, you bring out all the medical help that you need out there to help these people. That's the, that's the beginning. You don't close down Rikers, and you certainly don't put, down, put these people into local communities and local jails. But Judge Weinberg, but, Mayor but Adams said he's going to have 50 if hospital I was mayor, beds. If I was mayor, you would be my general counsel. Thank you, very, thank you very much. I don't know if I can take the pay cut, though. Thank you. Again, we're speaking with Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, what did you think about Mayor Adams' plan to add 50 more hospital beds? I mean, that I think, what were we talking about, 50 Judge? 50 beds? 50 more hospital yeah, two, beds. That'll take care of two blocks around what the studio. What do you think, Bill one, O'Reilly? One <laughs> Look, they're desperate to try to get people to vote Democrat two weeks from tomorrow. That's, that's all this is about. They don't want to solve the problem. If they did, they would work with the police and they would coordinate a bunch of state city ordinances and the city council could pass them. But they don't want to solve it. When you get to that point, you have to get rid of these people. Polka wins again. The state will continue to deteriorate. Mark my words, you got it on tape. That woman wins four years in Albany. Again, this state, you're going to lose five million people will move out of this state because she is incompetent and apathetic. Me and Peter King were at his at her first breakfast before, before, before. Yeah. she got she got appointed or took the oath of office. And we are very, very disappointed on what she has done. Well, I'd worked with her in Congress, and she was much more conservative. In fact, when she was the uh, uh, county clerk in Erie, she wouldn't give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. When she was in the Homeland Security Committee, she never associated with the wackos on so, the committee. So, so the wackos of the Assembly and the State Senate have scared her to death. I guess so. I can't explain mm-hmm. it any other way. And I thought she was way. a tough Irish girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know who controls that those constituencies? The Working Families Party. The okay. Working Families Party is pushing the agenda. We're going to talk agenda. about that another day because we don't have the time. Listen to Bill O'Reilly, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial, or BillOReilly.com. Or, or uh, Bill O'Reilly, are you going to talk about what tonight? Well, we're kicking in the election coverage heavy on a national basis. Um, and we are uh, basically saying that right now, if the election were held tomorrow, It'd be a red wave. I'm a little bit worried. Maybe the red wave has peaked. We got 15 days. Keep telling the people the truth, Bill O'Reilly. Keep telling the people the truth for the 15 days. And Bill O'Reilly, I'll be listening to you today because there's no Yankee game to watch. 
Yeah, we'll see you uh, at Bernie's Mass on uh, St. Patrick's on Wednesday. St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's uh, Cathedral on Wednesday between 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock. And Bill O'Reilly is uh, speaking that day on behalf of Bernie, too. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. On the line with us right now is Charlie Gasparino. He's a journalist. He's a he's a, he's one great guy. He's one smart guy, and he knows about. It. But to, to carry on the conversation we had with Bill O'Reilly uh, about the safety in the streets and about uh, Governor Hochul and the power of the mayor that we talked about. Can uh, Zeldin, if he was governor? Can he declare a national, no. a, a, a state, state emergency. emergency? He can state emergency, a criminal state of emergency, and suspend and suspend all those crazy and pieces of legislation. Can they override Albany. him? Listen, that could be litigated. In the meantime, he, sh- he said he's going to do it, and he should do it, and we'll so litigate So he can him. do it. He can do it, and we'll and find the, out what happens. And, and, and the state senate and, and state assembly can't override him. They would have to go to court. That's right. So somebody, somebody who has so-called standing would have to go in and sue in that and say it was beyond now, his authority. Now, no. uh, the ahead. way they can get over that is uh, the, the, uh, the other uh, sup- uh, justice that left the appeals court— what was her name? De Fiore you're talking about? De Fiore. Jonathan Fiore is the chief I judge. I understand said. that she was a, a good, smart lady, and she did the right thing for New York. Right. Uh, if they chased her out. They chased her out. So and, and guess the, what? It, you know what they're it, trying it, to do? What? They're trying to push in. The left wing is already trying to push in a so-called progressive as a new chief judge. So guess what's going to happen to this state when you have a, an ideological left-wing court? The, the, whatever the legislature crap. does, whatever the legislature does, they can outvote. They can outvote Zeldin if they say it's unconstitutional. Then they win. Oh, yeah, the court is the highest voice. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And let me ask you one last question, Judge Weinberg. Here in New York City, the NYPD, the cops do not have qualified immunity. If the go- city council took it away from them, right? Yeah. Well, hold- let's go. We're not going. We're not in that discussion right now. We got Mr. Gasparino on, who's going to tell us what the heck is going on, Polly. <laughs> What's going on? We forgot Charlie Gasparino. Are you still there, Charlie? Well, I was just sitting here listening to you guys talk about Lee Zeldin like he's already governor. I I mean, you know, you're listening. If he was governor. (laughs) Yes, I know. Uh, By the way, he could also, couldn't he also fire Bragg? Yes, that he can do. That he can do for sure. He can suspend him and put him into a hearing. Can the governor replace the mayor? Uh, yeah. yes, 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 but yes. nobody's ever done that. Yes. Uh, Roosevelt Except for, what was his name? Roosevelt the guy Jimmy, Walker. Left, Jimmy left Walker. A few, Jimmy Walker Jimmy left, Walker. took yeah. the Queen Elizabeth That's right. Jimmy all over to England, and they never found him again with a few million dollars in cash. That's right. The Seabury right, hearings. Right, right. The C- right, Judge Seabury right. hearings. Right. right. Well, you know, listen, here's what I would say, because I talk to the business community every day. They, you know, they nominally like Kathy Hochul. They've given her a lot we of We all money, like her. But but they but they would like somebody with a strong hand to come in and fix the the crime and the business uh, uh, situation here in the city. And you know you don't have to really do it with by by like you know going out there and, and you know the governor doesn't have to go out there and do a massive tax cut. I mean he just has to get the state back in order. I mean loosen up regulations, start drilling upstate. By the way, we could we could be a fracking mecca, New York, up, upstate New York, which is right now incredibly depressed, as you know. Uh, it, it'd be nice if the state was something more. 
more than just the finance industry, which, by the way, can pick up and leave anytime they want because of, you know, technology. You know, Goldman Sachs can operate just as profitably in Florida as it can here. And I'm not saying they're moving to Florida, but you understand what I'm saying. So uh, a lot of this has to do with making sure people are safe in the city, making sure there's a sound business environment. The governor can help that. You know, let's face it, Kathy Hochul is weak tea. I mean, she's in the Biden league of weakness as, as you, you know, so, and she's, there's not much in this. It's it's not much reason to be in this state. If you can escape, if she gets reelected, I would say, but, uh, but you know, the biggest disappointment in my view is Adams. I mean, I, I just, I don't, you know, even Ray Kelly said it, you know, this isn't rocket science. You know, you could put more cops out there. You can let them be more aggressive. You know, why? why Not by giving 1,200 cops overtime. That's just a a Band-Aid on a—it's a Band-Aid for cancer. Also, they can put 10,000 more cops out if they don't give them the power to stop and search and frisk. They're not going to get anywhere. That too. That too. too. I mean, you know, it worked. Let's face it. Stop and frisk worked. Um, Did it go over the line sometimes? Yeah, but that's why you have training. Try to prevent that. You don't throw them. It's like we live, the the progressive left in this country, it's either all or nothing. One bad cop out of like millions of good ones, and they call in Minneapolis, and they call for defunding the police. You know, a couple of guys maybe misuse stop and frisk. Oh, we got to end it tomorrow. I mean, this is what the type of people we're living with and who are running our, you know, big major states and cities, and it's it's getting impossible to live here. Um, you know, the business community, again, if things don't get better, they're already rumbling. They will move faster out of New York, and New York is gonna is gonna be, you know, is almost uh, New York State is almost a one a one industry state. It's finance, and but you can't pay the bills on that. Charlie, you mentioned Long-term. fracking. How helpful has that been to Pennsylvania, and how could that help in New York? Uh, it's been very helpful. It's every place it's been, it's been helpful. And uh, you know, listen, look, Peter, did, you know, we're, we're down here. We're in the New York area. You know, we have it pretty good down here, Long Island, Westchester, the city. I mean, it, as bad as things are with crime, our economy is a lot better than it. Do you, have, do you guys ever gone upstate New York with the economy? Oh, you like they, don't have to, they don't have two nickels to rub together. It's really sad and depressing, and it's... You know, Andrew Cuomo, um, you know, I kind of I like Andrew. I've known him for a long time, but I think he made a big mistake, uh, you know, not not allowing fracking in upstate New York. Well, the mistake he did was giving up, allowing and give up those six state senators that were independent senators that kept the balance in Albany. The the independent Democratic caucus, which voted with Republicans. They kept kept the balance in Albany. That, that too, uh, but if you ever want to talk about markets, I'm here, guys. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? Oh, we got we got three minutes left. We got three minutes left. There's rumors around, rumors that yeah. maybe that the uh, uh, the Fed will back off because a don't forget there's an election in, in 12 days or 14, 15 days. Yeah. Well, well, will the, will, will, will the Democratic Party shoot the Fed and tell them to take it easy? I don't they can't do it in 12 days. They got bigger problems. I mean, my sources are telling me the Republicans, uh, the RNC right now is running around telling all the major donors that 
the Republicans are going to going to win the Senate. Now, whether that's wishful thinking or, you know, talk in your book, they were not saying that two weeks ago, just so you know. So they must be seeing something in internal polling. I think, listen, I think this, John, the Fed is, is, is now worried about financial stability, seeing what happened in the UK when they started raising rates and some of the other stuff that happened with fiscal policy it was it was a combination where there was essentially a run on the guilt on the on the bond. It was a massive selling of it. They are starting to like worry about that here. We don't quite have that yet. You know, we have some skittishness in the bond market, as you know. Bonds look at the ten years gone up pretty significantly over the past year. When as we're worried about inflation and other things, the problem that I think Powell has and and the Fed has is that you know the markets love to talk that they're not going to raise rates anymore or yes. that they may do they're one and done. The problem is the average American couldn't care less because they don't have money in the market directly. They may have it through their pension fund or whatever. Well, yes, they, well they in a way they have, you know, if I have a house that I'm paying 3% interest on and I want to buy another house, I have to pay 7% interest. You know, well, I'll you never sell my house, house and I'll never buy another one. That's if you want to buy a house. Okay, I'm just saying that if you want to put food on your table and you're paying, you know, a hundred dollars a week and you're paying now 150, that's a real, real problem. And I think that's why the Fed will ultimately do two more rate hikes, I think, and maybe then pause in January. That's what I think. That's what a lot of people think. He's almost well, they, they better pause before they break everybody. Well, it'd be nice if we, you saw a, a six on that CPI number instead of an eight. Yep. Uh, and that's still high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, we're in such a pickle because of what we did. And Joe Biden is as much to blame as the Fed. The spending, the stupid things. The and, borders, you know, cutting the back drugs. Oil. It's just, he's just really, he's been a horrendous president. Thank you so much, Charlie Gasparino. Thank you. One exactly. smart guy. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, Ambassador John Bolton. He served as the president's national security advisor from 2018 and through through 19, as well as ambassador to the U.N. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Ambassador. Glad to be back with you. So where do you want to start? Well, we have a new prime minister in uh, the United Kingdom, and it's uh, actually developed very quickly since the resignation of Liz Truss. I think markets are kind of back in order now and uh, we'll, we'll see whether the new government uh, can get can get the country back on track. I'm I'm relatively optimistic. I think it's especially important given the continuing war in Ukraine where under Boris Johnson and under Liz Truss, however briefly, the the Brits were really taking a very leading position on it. So, uh, lots at stake for the US whenever there's turmoil in the politics of Great Britain, but I think uh, within the Conservative Party they appear to have solved it at least for now. Uh, tell us, is, I don't remember, uh, of what background is this new prime minister to be? Well, in, in Boris Johnson's government, he was uh, chancellor of the Exchequer. And uh, before that, he had uh, been at Goldman Sachs and in, in uh, private business in Britain. And uh, I think is generally recognized as being uh, very sharp on financial matters. He's not going to pursue the tax cutting policies of Liz Truss. And uh, personally, I think that's actually what the Brits need to get the economy uh, moving, but but he's a very solid guy, and I think the the main political point here is the Conservative Party really uh, is under pressure to unite behind him because otherwise, if they have to face another general election, the Labour Party could win, and who knows what that would mean for Britain. 
We'll be in deeper crap. Um, exactly. Yeah, Ambassador, uh, where do you? Where do we want to go from Great Britain? We understand. I think the American people understand Great Britain. We, we're willing to give this person a chance. We hope he succeeds. Uh, where do we go from here? China. I was what say, the heck go is going on? Yeah. Look, uh, what's happened is the twentieth. Congress of the Communist Party has concluded they have given almost total authority to uh, their leader, Xi Jinping. He's now, in effect, ruler of China for as long as he wants. Uh, He has more power than any Chinese leader since Mao Zedong. Uh, He has made it clear he's going to get not only political control over China, he's going to recentralize economic control. You could see the Chinese stocks and the Hong Kong exchange tanked today. Uh, as investors size up what that 20 percent. Yeah. So that's uh, it makes that makes the market turmoil in Britain sort of pale by comparison. But it's also the case this now worries uh, our friends all along uh, East Asia and South Asia that was Xi Jinping now unchallenged to the point where he sent off stage the former president of China two two terms, 10 years, just let off. Uh, almost like he was being arrested. There's no doubt G's in charge, and and he gave several very belligerent speeches over the past week, particularly with respect to Taiwan. So I think we've got real trouble in that direction. Uh, I, I you know my sources have said to me that the fact is that since Washington passed the new uh, laws uh, lending money to build new chip uh, facilities in in America. Right, the, the the new legislation. Fifty billion dollars. What did uh, Chuck Schumer do? Fifty billion was it, or two fifty? Well, it was it was a lot of billions. That's for sure. It's yes. not it's not clear to me. That's the best way to go. But well, it is clear to me that we've got to get uh, ourselves separated from China. I'll give you uh, my on. intelligence. My intelligence is that the Chinese will allow us to to build those new facilities, and when we finish building them, because they don't want to put us out of business, we're good customers. Then they're going to take over Taiwan. Well, we can't well, let them the, take over the timing, Taiwan, yeah. Yeah, listen, the timing of uh, of what Xi Jinping does with respect to Taiwan is absolutely critical. The leading manufacturer of semiconductors in the world, I mean, we are utterly dependent on that supply coming from uh, Taiwan. And, you know, it was actually the first chip manufacturing facility there was built by Texas Instruments 50 years ago. And uh, they did it because of cheap labor costs. And uh, it's too bad we didn't bring some of that back before. John, John, this is Pete King. Hey, Peter. You know, beyond the public statements, is the Biden administration behind the scenes telling China they cannot attack Taiwan? That that is only until we finish our chip factories. Well, let's even then. At any time, what do you think you passed the law for? No, at any time, uh, it was trying to realize that doing that really is uh, crossing a line. Well, I I hope that's what they're doing. Uh, But I tell you, I have to say, I am afraid, and I have been from the beginning of the administration with John Kerry as the climate change negotiator, that dealing with China on global warming is more important to the Biden administration than anything else. I'm very worried about that, because if that's your overriding consideration, Taiwan just gets lost in the shuffle. And another interesting development unrelated to China that emerged today is opposition to Biden's Ukraine policy from the left wing of the Democratic Party. And I think this is an interesting split, and it worries me, especially about China, because the people who want Biden to dial it back with respect to support for Ukraine are going to be the same people who say dial it back with respect to Taiwan. Well, there's a lot of it's a lot of smelly things going on between Ukraine 
and Russia. And uh, Ambassador, uh, I don't know if you got the, the, the nose for it, or, uh, what's going on between Russia and uh, the Ukraine right now, because I understand a lot of the things we're sending over to Ukraine is depleting our arms. Well, the estimates I've seen, for example, for the supply of javelins is that we have uh, sent and we're going to get paid for it, but we've sent about one third of our total stockpile of uh, javelins. So I hope the Biden administration is working to resume production so we can get our stockpile built back up. And honestly, it shows how inadequate our stockpile was to begin with. This is an eight eight month war in Ukraine, and we've already used up a third of our entire javelin supply. It's really incredible when you think about it. But John, we have to continue that support, though, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm just saying what we need is a bigger military budget all the way around because we've got threats on a global basis. And uh, uh, I think this is just another example of the Biden administration not having a strategic picture here. I think the real risk in the near term is that Putin wants to use the coming winter and the potential uh, natural gas shortage in Europe to put political pressure on Germany, on France and others and win diplomatically what so far he cannot win militarily. Ambassador, you're one smart guy. Stay on top of the situation between Putin and uh, Zelensky and, uh, because there's stuff going on that that some of my people are telling me are uh, strange. Well, I think we have to stay with Zelensky, though. He is fighting the most, one of the most evil countries in the world. Uh, Peter, don't swallow everything they tell you. No, I, I, I have sources, too, when he tells us. Okay. I think it's important to stay with Zelensky. Well, uh, and uh, well, one last thing I want to talk to the ambassador about before we take a break mm-hmm. is uh, the Amer- you don't find this on the front pages of any newspapers, but the Chinese are buying crude oil from Russia. Now they're refining it in their, uh, in their refineries and shipping it and supplying Europe. But it's the Russian oil. We're just yeah, paying the markup. The markup between Russia buying it direct from them. Europe is paying the markup. So China, who needs the money, can make us some additional money. Absolutely. Look, China's got Russia's back on this war in Ukraine, uh, buying oil, buying natural gas. I think Russian financial institutions under U.S. and European Union sanctions are laundering their money through Chinese banks. Uh, and China's happy to do it. They're making money off of it. And I'll tell you, they expect the same thing from Russia if they get uh, into some kind of hostilities over Taiwan. They've got they've got an entente between the two of them. I think it's going to grow. I think Iran is going to be part of it. North Korea, obviously, is a part of it. The very dangerous development out there. And, uh, you know, you don't always get to pick the places where your interests are challenged. And we might not have picked Ukraine, but but that's that's where the threat is right now. Uh, and and the lesson that the that the aggressors need to learn is we're not going to tolerate it. Ambassador uh, uh, John Bolton, thank you so much, and thank you for staying on top of things. and And we hope to talk to you in the next few days, and uh, we'll we'll talk again. I'll be there, ready for you. Thank you so much, Ambassador. And where the hell are the turkeys flying? I understand the turkeys are flying Double somewhere. Down. They used to fly for about five feet. Now they're <laughs> flying 10,000 feet. Uh, what is today? He's the president of Gristides and president of D'Agostino's. And I understand we got New Yorkers have one big problem with the price of turkeys. Tell us what's going on. 
Yeah, I guess uh, the last time I was here about inflation, I talked about Halloween candy being up 20%. Mm. And now that I got to talk about turkeys, we're talking about a much bigger thing. When you look at nationwide right now, turkeys are up around 73%. You know, if you look at everyone in the nation, we used to sell turkeys at a dollar fifteen, and this year they're going to be about one ninety nine. Wow. And when you look time. at a nationwide picture, when you look about, you know, the everyday turkeys, you're looking at somewhere around 35 to 40 percent. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people saying, you know, it, there really isn't a problem. There really isn't shortages. But when you look at it all, there's a lot of issues out there. So I just want to, you know, I want people to understand. Is it is it just the turkeys is it, or the rest uh, of the dinner table? So cranberry the, sauce or whatever. The total Thanksgiving, and I was going to hold that to the end, but the total Thanksgiving is going to cost you 35 to 40% more. Because right now, every commodity from turkeys to gravy to potatoes to stuffing to sweet potatoes, the oils and all the bakery items, they're up anywhere from 30 to 40%. So I really don't have the solution that I used to give to say, okay, buy a ham instead of buying a turkey. Hams are up 35%. I would say buy the pork shoulders because there's a lot of people that like pork shoulders. They're up 30%. I, I understand. I heard that New York is cheaper than the rest of the country or was it the other way around? So there's parts of out west that are a lot more than New York. So New York's are up a lo lot less. So when they talk about that 73%, a lot of it is all nationwide because there's a lot of issues in California. But we're up around 40%. If you look at our prices and look at everybody in this market, it's 40%, which, which is a lot because they just did a major survey that said, are you going to be able to afford your dinner? And 34% of people said no because it's going to be more than $100. Because they say a turkey dinner, a normal turkey dinner is about $100. Mm -hmm. They're saying today it could be almost 200 and Will there be enough turkeys? So – so most of the companies ordered their turkeys outright a long time. Well, we ordered up six months ago to about seven months ago. The frozen birds are already in freezers. The issue is going to be the demand on the fresh. And the issue is going to be on the bigger bolt birds, 20 pounds or up. Because when the bird flu came, okay, and that was a big issue because we had 5.4 million birds destroyed because of the bird flu. Then, of course, you had the feed prices because of so all of we eradicated 5.4 million U.S. Birds, birds or, or, or turkeys turkey, or turkey, chickens? Turkeys. Bird, so, we committed murder on 5.4 million turkeys? Well, they, they had to be destroyed. 40 million of all birds, chickens, turkeys. Last year was 50 million. So, Holy cow. What did Phil Rizzuto used to say? Uh, Holy cow. Holy, Holy cow. cow. But I want to say it's not just that. It's the feed because of all this war. The feed's up 10 to 20%. Should we prosecute these people for killing 50 million of anything? They, they might get bail reform by government. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. But the drought cause issue and the fuel charges. So it's it's a big circle of a lot of issues and some people today are talking about, and a lot of e emails I get every day, they're going to go away from the tradition. Joe Parisi, I give you the task to make sure no New Yorker starves to death. Well, we'll, we'll listen, we're going to have turkeys. So there will be turkeys at our locations. We, we're ready for our turkeys. We'll have the supply that we had. 
and uh, I think we'll be okay. Thank you, Joe Parisi, president of Gristini's and president of D'Agostino's. And New Yorkers will not starve to death under Joe Parisi's watch. And God bless you. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. And, uh, Lydia... We got Dr. Mark Siegel on the, the line. Dr. Mark the Dr. Mark Siegel, professor of medicine at the NYU Langone <laughs> Medical Center, contributor, author. Uh, he's also on Fox News, but right, most importantly, right here on WABC Radio. How are you, Dr. Siegel? I'm great, Lydia. Still waiting to meet you. I, I, I'm going to have to arrange that. By the way, I want you to know that I quoted John's show today on Outnumbered on Fox because he had a phenomenal interview with Ray Kelly over the weekend that got a lot of attention, including how shockingly little police make here in New York City versus Long Island. And, you know, we were talking about about uh, crime that's going on on the subway tracks down in uh, on the show that, you know, on Outnumbered. And we were getting to, I got into some of what Ray said here, which was which is always yeah, very what powerful. we said to uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly that was on earlier. And then Charlie Gasparino, uh, we talked about uh, 1,200 additional policemen. No, not additional. Right. 1,200 policemen given overtime to solve the subway problem that these people are going to grow tired in a few weeks with all that overtime, number one. Number two, they can't arrest anybody because the law is the same. The, 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 the criminal will, will go home for dinner before they finish the paperwork. I mean, they are conning. How do how do you say it nicely? They are conning New Yorkers to believe that's going to help. And there is some breaking. You, you news. could you could add a curse word in Greek and nobody will know. But <laughs> I, I I would also add to that that four thousand cops are are quitting because they're so poorly paid. And I also want to add to that that the whole thing has two two problems that isn't even related to flooding the subway with police. It has to do with the mental health epidemic in New York City right now due to the pandemic and the homeless crisis. And a lot of homeless are living on the track, living in the subway stations now. So what do you, you know? A lot of them have underlying schizophrenia or mental health problems, and and they they may some of them may be more prone to violence, especially if they're hungry. Doctor, this is Pete King. What is your immediate answer to that? To get started, John, John was well, discussing this before. You know, I you're not going to believe this, but actually, um, Kaylee McEnany said on the sh- off didn't get this on the air, but she thinks that if if Zeldin wins, that'll put pressure on Mayor Adams to actually bear in on this. I don't know about that. That's a very interesting idea. I would like to see more more mental health attention played to this. That that that's been my plea in California, where it's out of control with the homeless crisis. Here we have a great shelter system, as you know, but I think we got to attend to the mental health issues and. Of course, once somebody is a victim in one of these things, Pete, as you know, the whole, you know, there's tremendous ripple effects from that, from the, from the PC, from the PTSD that results. So I say pay attention to the mental health. I agree with, uh, with the former commissioner about stop and frisk being a part of this. I agree with crime units being a part of this. I, how about cleaning up, cleaning up the subways? How about dealing with the homeless problem? And Dr. Siegel, just a little quick footnote, the subway shover, you know, that video that's being played on all the TV screens where the guy just bum rushes the other guy and throws him on the train tracks. They arrested the individual. His name is Lamal McRae. His rap sheet includes 20 prior arrests, one of one of those arrests for shooting a person. So that's another problem we're having is the bail reform. And we were talking with Bill O'Reilly when it comes to drug addiction. We're also experiencing a drug crisis. So how do you get people help that are refusing the help? 
And that drug crisis is tied together with the mental health crisis, and that has to do with the southern border where there's an enormous influx, not just of fentanyl, but nitazines, which aren't even on the DEA radar. The fentanyl's on their radar being made in 10-foot-sized labs of two major cartels in Mexico. That feeds the problem. I'm glad you brought that up. Doctor, it's, uh, it's Richard Warmper. It seems to me that what we need to do is we have to realize that this is a problem that has to be confronted on three levels. Number one, you have mental health. Number two, you have the homeless. Number three, you have the drug addicted. They're all interrelated. They closed down the facilities a long time ago. They cut that back on these facilities. We have Rikers. You could create a whole new world out there to treat those people. The relationship between mental health problems and, and drug addiction is enormous. And you only had, when I was running the special narcotics court in the city, I'm telling you, you only had one facility and the waiting list was forever. We need to deal with that and we have to get serious about that, doctor. You know, Judge, when you said that, if you had said that to me three years ago, I would have said this is a really beautiful speech, but it's but it doesn't have teeth. But I have to tell you, I'm very impressed with what the state of Rhode Island has done. I've been up there giving talks and being part of an opioid task force and I've met with their, their officials multiple times and they've absolutely dealt with this issue in the prisons up there. And I think that we need to, we need to make it part of a community-wide effort here. I agree with that. The prisons are part of it. Prison reform, mental health, substance abuse, all tied together. And then and then the issue of crime, which a lot of people are criticizing the mayor for his handling of it, being a former police officer. But, you know, there's the, the governor has a very poor record on crime, and that's what's making her vulnerable, I think, to Lee Zeldin. Switching gears, Dr. Siegel, a new study has come out. Ten percent of Americans over the age of 65 have dementia. Watching that interview with President Biden, he was asked that simple question about whether or not he's going to run again. They said Dr. Biden, referencing his wife, he didn't seem to know who she was. Just seeing his latest, uh, you know, fumblings, losing his train of thought. I know you've never examined him, but it seems like he's experiencing some sort of mental health crisis. It does seem that way, and I have a rule that I don't diagnose by video, and that goes all the way back to the Terry Schiavo days, and everybody's diagnosing by video, and, you know, Fetterman, I try not to do that, but having said that, this is really starting to accumulate, so I think that I continue to make my demand that there be a cognitive test done here, and and that we want to see the results of an MRI. I mean, he should have another physical coming up shortly, and the last one, they just said, well, neurologists saw him, and orthopedists saw him, and he's all well, and by the way, he has this stiff gait that nobody can explain to me, and it could be related to cognitive issues, and it does seem apparent. And by the way, if he was somebody's grandfather, maybe you would say, okay, he falls asleep in the middle of a speech. But we're talking about the President of the United States in the midst of, uh, you know, of Vladimir Putin threatening a nuclear war. I think we need somebody at the top of their game. So I think uh, the public has a right to know here. Uh, I agree 100%. Uh The free world depends on the president of the United States. And right now, a lot of people have concerns uh, that uh, might not be able to come up to a task. Yeah, I, I think that they're, they're right to have those concerns. And, 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 you know, again, there's actually some specific cognitive testing he can have. The Montreal Cognitive Assessment that President Trump had, and when I interviewed him, of course, it went viral. His, his uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV was a joke, but it, it clearly is a test that needs to be done. And again, I, I think we should see an MRI, and I think we have a right to see his records. And we're not seeing anybody's records. We didn't, we're not seeing Fetterman's records. We're not seeing the president's records. 
records. And, and you know, some of the mistakes the president is making, John, about the economy are, are completely it's costing, the opposite of what we are. It's costing the poor and the middle class the, the food and they can't eat. Or and savings. It's, and, it's, and who knows if they can have Thanksgiving dinner. Well, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much. And you know what we all stand for in this place? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. God bless America. And we need, and God bless the world, because we need God's help. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.